Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Have you ever had a goal that has been set for you? So maybe by your parents, maybe by a teacher, an instructor, a professor, uh, maybe by a boss at your job. Ever had a goal that set that seemed pretty high? Uh, that might be a little bit difficult to reach or a challenge. And whether or not you hit that mark, sometimes we don't. And you know how that feels when you do or when you don't hit the goal or meet the mark. Um, Sometimes you set an expectation for yourself. You literally have something that you envision in your mind of this is where I want to go or this is what I want to do. And you don't always hit that mark. Maybe you don't quite live up to that. And, and, and so we struggle with that. We, we wonder, what, is that, what do we do with that? What happens when we do or we don't meet a standard? In this passage in Matthew chapter 5, we see a standard that is set. So as we went through this passage, you'll notice that um, Jesus, as he's speaking here, says that there's kind of a standard that most people agree to. So... We love people who love us. Generally speaking, most people in our world are nice to people who are nice to them. And so that's kind of, at least at the baseline, what lots of folks in our world, kind of a standard by which they live. Jesus says, hold on a minute. I got something bigger and better than that. What I want you to do is not only that, yes, you should love people who love you, But I want you to love your enemies. I want you, my people, to love people who hate you, who are out to get you, who want the worst for you. I want you to want the best for them. And then he says these words, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow, okay. That's quite the standard. That's quite the goal to set. And it makes us wonder, what does this look like? And and how do we do this? So if we think of the companion passage of what we read here in Matthew chapter 5, there's Luke chapter 6, which is, is a similar, this similar teaching of Jesus as he goes through those, you know, not just love those who love you, but love your enemies. And he says there, Be therefore merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. So as we look at these passages together, again, we see kind of the standard of the world. And then Jesus says there's a greater standard. There's a higher standard. And the higher standard is God's. And this is what God expects. And this is what God wants from you. So what you're to attain to, what you and I are attained to, is to the kind of love, the kind of mercy that God shows the way God sees things. And God has a very high standard for you and for me. God has lofty expectations for you as followers of his son, Jesus. Now, I want to be clear as we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect? I cannot be perfect as in sinless. You cannot be perfect as in sinless. There was one who was sinless. His name was Jesus. 
But the word in that passage implies this idea of full development or growth into maturity of godliness, not sinless perfection. He wants us to grow up and to be complete as one of God's children. And so it's God's kindness, uh, not his sinlessness that we're pointed to, God's love and the way he sees things. But even though that's the case, before we kind of dismiss the verse completely and go, okay, got to pass, right? I don't have to be perfect. I can't be perfect. So I just kind of float through life and whatever happens, however I feel, I just do what I think. No, that is not the standard. And so we have to allow this truth to speak to us that God has a high standard and he expects a great deal from you and me. So we have to call it like it is. Much is expected of the followers of Christ. We have to do our best. We have to give our all. We have to grow. We have to mature. As I was studying, I ran across this in a book that said, God does not lower the standard to accommodate our sinfulness. He gives us the power to keep his righteous standard. Because this is what God wants. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible is very clear about this. The apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Okay, That's not a new thing. That's not a New Testament thing. That's not just for the church today. That's been God's standard for his people for all time. And we read that back in the old law, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Okay, so deal with that. So, I mean, right, let let the full effect of that smack you in the face. And, and that is daunting, to say the least. That is a challenge. God is the perfect model. God the Father wants his children to model him. God's gracious call for sinners to become saints always involves responsibility, not just privilege. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says it this way, God has chosen us in Christ that we should be holy and without blame before Him. We're to be holy, to be complete in how we live so that everything we do reflects the holiness of God the Father. So what would it take for you? What does it take for you to become all that God wants you to be so that you can become mature and complete spiritually speaking, to have the impact and the influence on your world that God wants you to have as a follower of Christ? How can you work toward this goal, which is God's standard for us? I want to look at several things, and I want to start with the one that is the most important, is you absolutely must be in Christ if you want to attain to the standard that God has set for your life. Your only hope is Jesus Christ. And this is where it starts. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So this idea of perfect, again, is this idea of mature. 
the English Standard Version actually renders this, that we may present every man mature in Christ Jesus, complete, filled up. So this is the model, and this is the standard that we're supposed to aspire to. Not sinless perfection, because we can't do it, but to this, I continue to press toward the mark that God has set for me, a standard of love and mercy and holiness that God wants for me in my life. And the Bible tells us that this happens in Christ Jesus. If you want this to be part of your life, that's where it starts. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So for you to be in Christ, you have to be baptized into Christ so that you put on Christ. What does this do for you? What are the implications of this? If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21, For God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you see how this works? So to be in Christ, to be baptized into Christ, to have our sins washed away, now one has paid the price for our sin and taken those sins away from us, and instead he's given us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So this is how this works. And this is why Jesus is our only hope. If we continue on and we look at passages like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You have been recreated. God created you, your physical existence, your spiritual existence. But then when you are baptized into Christ and you put on Christ who took on your sin, and you become the righteousness of God in Him, you are made new. And when you are made new, you're created anew for a purpose in true righteousness and holiness. Again, the standard. God's standard for you. And so this is who you are and who you are supposed to be. Look at this passage in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, which gives so much comfort to us because we struggle. Because we know the sinless standard, the perfect standard of God and His holiness and His righteousness and His love and His mercy and Jesus, His Son, who was sinless perfection. And as we think about that and as we miss the mark, as we sin... We have to reconcile that. What do we do with that? And this passage gives such confidence and such joy to know that. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If you want to attain to the standard of holiness and perfection that God wants in your life and demands of your life. It's only in Christ. These passages make it clear. And we could look at many others that help us understand that Jesus is our hope. The old hymn states, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, 
Brothers and sisters, you're in Christ. Praise God. You have hope and assurance and confidence in the blood of Christ. That's what it takes to be who God wants you to be. Okay, but what else? That's a great start. That's where it all starts. That's where it begins. But what else does it take for you to become mature and complete and holy to God's standard, the way God desires? Well, when you are in Christ, you are also part of the church, which is his body. Colossians chapter 1 teaches us that the church is the body of Christ. Ephesians in many places and other places in the New Testament teach us that Christ Um, that the church is the body of Christ. And I want you to look at me through Scripture and see what it is that Christ does for you as part of the church. Look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Yes, it's speaking to husbands, but take away the truth here that's important for you to know is a part of the church now that you are in Christ. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be without, should be holy and without blemish. Do you see what Jesus does for you and me? And in this passage, it puts us in context of how he does this for us through the body as part of the church, in Christ and in the church. This is what Jesus has in mind for the bride of Christ, for the body of Christ, his church. And this is what he has done for us. And so we aspire to this. We live in this way because he wanted to sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water by the word so that he would present us to himself a glorious church, not with spot or wrinkle, but we would be holy and without blemish. If you want to grow into the mature Christian that God wants you to be, you must be in the church. I take it a step further. You must be an active member of the body of Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 beginning there in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity, the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cuff cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking in true in truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There's so much in this passage. But please understand that what we are talking about here is the church, the body of Christ. And it says that in the church, there are some roles and responsibilities that are given. Um, Today, certainly, we're familiar with the idea of pastors. This is elders and teachers 
and evangelists. What is What are they to do? Their role within the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body in Christ. So if I just stopped there and I just honed in on that, so that till we come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you see what the purpose of this is for? What is it going to lead us to? When you're equipped as a saint for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, then this will lead you toward a perfect man, a complete person, a mature person, a mature Christian, right? That we might attain to, that we might continue toward the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. That's what this is about. And how does it happen? Just off on your own, doing your own thing, living your own life, being your own person. No, that is not what this passage is saying. It says the way that you get equipped and the way the body is edified and built up is in the body. It's part of the church. This is how that works. So there might be growth of the body and growth of the individual members. This is done together so that we aren't wishy-washy, so we aren't pushed to and, to and fro, so we don't go all over the place and follow everything that we hear out there because lots of it is not true. But instead, we hear the Word of God. We hear it come to us through Jesus, His Son. We hear it as part of the church we're equipped for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and we go toward this perfect man, to the stature of the measure of the fullness of Christ. Where does this happen? It happens in the church. This all is in the context of ye, if you looked at this in the King James Version. Uh, Y-E. Um, so, you all, y'all, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, that you you all may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you see the blessing that God has for you that is intended as part of the church? You cannot comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge if you're off on your own without all the saints? You see how this works? We keep getting pointed back to the church. So if you want to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, if you want to be complete and mature, if you want to rise to the level of the standard that God has for you in your life, you've got to be connected to the body. This happens within the church. I want to quickly look at kind of a word picture of this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. So look, let's be real. People are stumbling. People fall. But praise God, people are also being lifted up. So I'm going to ask you a question. 
Did you lift someone up this past week? And we're literally going to sit here for a moment. And I'm going to say nothing else as you contemplate this question. You're in the church. You're a part of the body. Did you lift someone up this week? Because I think many of you did. I want you to know what that was. That was a part of fulfilling your role as a member of the body of Christ. Helping fill someone else who was running on empty. And they needed you. But I have another question I want to ask you. And we're going to take some time to ponder it. Did someone lift you up this past week? You have a picture in your mind of who that person or persons was or were. And you know what? You saw God and Jesus at work in their lives. That's what you witnessed and experienced when this happened. Because that was the love of God and Christ being shown to you through that Christian. That was someone who was being the church for you when you needed it. Because that's what we have to realize, brothers and sisters. This is not about going to church. This is about being the church. And you are not complete on your own without the church. You are only a fraction of what you could be, what God wants you to be. You are not fully mature, and you cannot grow as God intends without the church, without the body. These are simple truths that we have to let sink in to our lives. Now, there are lots of things that we can talk about, but there's one other thing that I want to look at together with you this morning. Another facet of what it takes to work toward God's standard of holiness and maturity that he expects for his people. And if you want to be complete, if you want to be what God desires of you, then you better be in his word consistently. I want to flesh that out. I want to talk about some practical things related to this. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, I think, makes this very clear to us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This says what we need to know about the purpose of the Word of God and what Scripture does for us and how it helps us be where we need to be so that we might attain to the standard that God has set for us. We have to know what God's will for us is and how does His Word work. We're going to come back to this because it says that this is how the man of God is complete, thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says it this way. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. What does the word do for you? What does scripture do for you? What does God's will in your life do for you? It says it's going to help you grow. It will be the thing that causes you to grow. And so that's why you have to be in it. That's why you have to know it and spend time there. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning of verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled and the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This passage is clear. There are some people that ought to be able to teach someone else. Pass on wisdom and knowledge that they've gained from the word, but instead, they're barely even able to crawl. They're babies. They're not where God wants them to be. They are not grown to maturity. They're not even on the path to maturity. They're stuck in the crib. And so as we go on the next chapter, the continuation of this thought, therefore, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And we can continue to read that. So this is what we have to understand and know about this. What are we being called by this passage to do? So it's time for you to be teachers. It's time for you to help someone else. But instead, you're stuck back here. You need to, you need to have that foundation built. So you can leave the discussion of those elementary things. Leave you know the elementary school stuff, right? You have that established, but now you're growing middle school, high school, and further education, continual educational development. That's what we're to go on to, to go on to perfection. Paul, maybe in a nice way, I'm not sure if this was nice or not, maybe in a nice way, he's just saying, grow up. Mature. Move on, folks. It's high time that we get out of this, we get this foundation built, and we add to it so that we rise to the standard of what God wants for our life because we understand it. We care about it. We passionately pursue His will in our life so we can become more like Jesus every day. That's what these passages are teaching us. So, Go on to perfection. Go on to completeness. Strive for maturity. Go. So I'm going to go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And just spend a couple of moments on this. Because if you want to be complete, if you want to be filled, if you want to grow and to mature, to be equipped for good works, you must understand how God's word helps you do this. So this isn't just about Read your Bible. This isn't just about make sure you study your Bible. Yes, you should. So please don't misunderstand. 
but it's actually more than that. And I want to talk about some practical things that God's word does in your life to help you attain to the standard that he has set for you. So what does this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 say about the intended purpose of God's word? It says that God's word, all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. It is useful. It is helpful. It has a purpose. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. For what? For why? so that the man of God may be complete and equipped thoroughly for every good work. This is how God's word works. It's breathed by God for your benefit, and it has these purposes. So, what are these? What is doctrine? Okay, Doctrine, in some ways, is just basic teaching. Think um, foundational truths. And, and basic principles. As a matter of fact, if you went back to Hebrews chapter 6, we started reading there in verse 1, right? So you're supposed to go on from the elementary principles, and you're supposed to go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of um, in, in that particular list. It talks about the, that you don't go back to baptism and resurrection of the dead. Like, you should know those things. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul declares the gospel. And he says the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's a foundational truth. That's a basic principle. And that is doctrine. Those are the kinds of things that are doctrine. So we have to know doctrine. We need to look through Scripture, and as we read God's Word, and as we look at it and we meditate on it, what do we look for? We look for basic truths and principles. And those are things that we use in our life. Those are things that are important for us to teach others and ourselves. So it's good for doctrine. It's also good for reproof. And you might say, what do you mean good for reproof? What is reproof? Because that doesn't seem good. Reproof is rebuke. No one likes to be rebuked. I mean, uh, maybe you like it. I don't know. I, I, maybe that's too blanket of a statement. I don't think many of us love to be told, you're wrong. But if you truthfully, with all of your heart, open up God's word and you read it and you let it sink in, guess what? There's going to be multiple times where God is telling you, you're wrong. That's just as simple as it can be. And that's what reproof is. It's rebuke. So... If we go back to Hebrews chapter 5 that we just read a little while ago, he says, for the, for the time you ought to be teachers, you're not. You're just babies. You need milk. That's rebuke. If, if you find yourself in that category where that hits you, that's because that's what that is. That's rebuke. That's saying you shouldn't be there. You should be in a different spot. You need milk is not an encouragement because you're doing everything you need to do. It's a rebuke to say, get better, be different, go in a different way. So the word will step on your toes. If the word of God does not step on your toes, you're not alive. And so there's something else that the word of God does. So we look and we see what are the basic principles and foundational truths. That's doctrine. And then we read it and we see, uh, 
God, you got me. You're so right and I'm so wrong. That's reproof. Then there's correction. So instead of wrong um, and telling you what's wrong and this is the wrong way you're going, which is reproof, correction is just saying that, so now you need to go here. Just like we talked about in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, leaving the elementary principles of Christ, right? You need to go on to perfection. These are important, but it's time to go here. So we're reproved, rebuked, that we're not supposed to be stuck here. We're corrected. Go a different way. Ephesians chapter 4, there's great examples of this, but just in verse 28, it says, let him who steals, steal no longer. So if you're a thief, stop it. That's the the reproof. That's the rebuke. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and then let him work. Let him labor with his hands so he might give. So not only stop the wrong, replace it, and do the right. Here's the correction. The different way you're supposed to go. And then there's this instruction in righteousness. Training in what is right and correct. What is holy. That might even include those things that you need to watch out for and be aware of. Dangers that are lurking. That we continue to go in the way that God wants us to go. And we see these things throughout His script, through Scripture. You need to know doctrine. You need to be rebuked. I need to be challenged and convicted of my sin. You need to understand corrective measures once you are convicted. And you constantly need to be pointed in the direction you are to go and guided there. And that's what God's word does for you. It does all of these things so that you are complete and so that you're equipped for every good work. So I want you to think about a shepherd herding sheep. So the shepherd spends time with the sheep, lots of time with the sheep. And so the sheep get to know the voice of the shepherd. And generally speaking, the sheep listen because they recognize that voice. Some of you are thinking of your dogs, and sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't, right? But that's like sheep. Sheep are trained in these basic things. Listen, follow. Here's where you go. This is where your water source is. Here's the food that you need so you don't die. Basics that the shepherd provides. Okay, so think about that in some ways as doctrine. And then sometimes the sheep starts to go where they're not supposed to go. And the shepherd says, stop. You're wrong. Don't go there. And so that's the shepherd's job. So that they would say, not there. And then on top of that, that they would say, here's the different way to go. Not there, but here. That's this correction. And then instruction in righteousness. We think about the shepherd with his rod and his staff kind of pointing and prodding and guiding and directing the sheep in the way that they do need to go to take them to green pastures, to lead them beside 
still waters. This is what God's word does for you. This is God speaking to you. Because what God wants for you is the best. That's why he has reached out to you through his son and through his word so that you're complete and equipped to do his will. So let's look into this book. It will show you who you are. It will also show you who God wants you to be. The word is living and powerful, and it speaks directly into your life and my life. We have to open our ears and minds and eyes and hearts and let it sink deep within so that it has its positive effect on us. So when you see these things, when you read in your Bible, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Or in 1 Peter, you read, be holy because God is holy. How do you react to that? How do you respond? There once was a businessman who called three employees to his office. And he gave one of the employees $5,000. And he gave $2,000 to the second employee. And he gave $1,000 to the third employee. And he said, I'm going to go on a long trip and I'll be back. Take care of these things. So, the employees that had the 5000 and the 2000 they took their employer's money and they put it to work. And they were successful. And they made more. And they helped the company. But then there was the man with the $1,000. And as soon as he had that $1,000, you know what he did? He took that $1,000 and he ran home as quick as he could and he stuck it in a sock drawer and left it there. A long time later, the businessman comes back and he wants to find out, how did things go while I was away? And so the first two shared their successes. We made 5000 more. We made 2000 more. And... The businessman was very pleased. And then there was the third employee. And so he sheepishly came to the boss and he said, you know, I knew you're kind of a hard man. You kind of have high standards and lofty expectations. And so I, I was scared. I kind of froze, and I, I went and I stuck your money in my sock drawer. And guess what? I've got it right here, exactly like you left it. I didn't lose a penny of it. Here's all $1,000 back. Aren't you pleased with me? No. The businessman was not pleased at all. As a matter of fact, what he did was he called that employee wicked and lazy. And there was a punishment because of how he responded to what he had been given. 
God expects you to be about his business, doing your very best to meet his standard and giving your all in every moment. It's not okay to say, be perfect isn't for me. Yes, it is. Be holy isn't for me. I, I can't. Yes, it is. It is your challenge and it is my challenge from God the Father. It is our calling to live up to God's standard, striving to be like Jesus and his model, which is perfection for us. It shows us the way. And we have to dig deep to do that. Working to grow and mature spiritually and being complete is our mission. And this is only going to happen in Christ. As part of his church, and through his word. So I ask you, are you giving your very best spiritual effort to reach God's holy and righteous standard for your life? If you need help, God gave you the church. And we're here to help. Because we all need it. And if you are not in Christ, get in Christ. It is your only hope of salvation. His blood can wash away your sins. You can be cleansed and made whole, perfect in the sight of God, created for true righteousness and holiness. And you can do that this morning. If we can help you, please come forward as we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.